0: In the cinematic sea of prequels, sequels, reboots, and reimaginings, the Movie Retake's podcast considers the merits and desires for Hollywood's new takes on her beloved movie classics. Brothers Matt and Chris Sully examine the latest retake franchises, pitch their own original retake visions, and share their love for the movies that made them. This is Big Sully. And this
1: is Galactic Matt or some other space-involved theme <laughs> name. Uh, and we are here, <laughs> yeah, somewhere deep in the... Milky Way uh delivering you another movie retakes podcast. This one is going to be all about space balls.
2: All rise in the presence of Dark Helmet. <laughs>
1: zoom. I don't know. Other effects that I can't pull off. We'll call in Michael Winslow for that one.
0: I was gonna say the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and, and we should note this week this is a different take on our podcast than usual.
1: That's true. It's a uh, This is our first one that's truly a what-if episode as in there's really nothing more than rumors and these are even old rumors that there was something that was going to be in the works for a space sequel um so there is sorry to say nothing in production or pre-production or any of those production levels where something might be made other than what we're doing today and pitching our own pitches um we also have some guest pitches for today coming up a bit later Mm -hmm. exciting and we do appreciate you coming by and listening we have some loyal listeners and our numbers are getting pretty high up there and we're very excited about that but for those of you who have not done so already you need to follow you need to subscribe and all those wonderful things and uh, check out our website we do have a, a glorious new website designed by yours truly well not designed by... It was a bunch of drag-and-drops or sort of stuff, but I'll take credit for it. And uh, in there um, is a reviews section. So we do try and um, review these movies that we talk about and some other ones that we've seen in the past. And in that review area is homework. Um, this, basically, I pulled from Big Sully's stream where he gives homework on different movies and stuff, and I thought that was a great <laughs> idea. Uh, and so we've got on uh, movieretakes.com is uh under the reviews section is a homework and this week's homework is the good the bad and the ugly a classic western from Sergio Leone starring Clint Eastwood and you gotta watch it if you haven't seen it you're gonna want to watch it because it's amazing I've seen it dozens of times and I will continue to till I die
0: I'll be honest I don't know if I've ever seen it all the way oh my god well it is lengthy I, I'll
1: I'll say that <laughs> but uh <laughs> it's it's like my description on there, it's the definitive spaghetti western uh when they talk about all those uh westerns that got made in the seventies and stuff that um were from these Italian directors and actors and stuff with the bad dubbing and all that um that's that's one of them and it is it's just amazing uh so yeah you gotta you gotta go check that out uh it's a it's up on Netflix right now
0: that's where the term spaghetti comes from i i I never understood that it's because they're Italian directors.
1: Yeah, so basically it's because they're Italian directors, and a lot of the actors they used uh, were Italian as well. So you watch those movies, and basically they don't even, the the, the Italian actors aren't even Italian actors speaking English, they're just speaking Italian, and then they go back and dub all the voices. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Um, So it's pretty awesome. I'm going to look
0: at it with new eyes when I get to watch it this time.
1: Yeah. Some previous homework that's been on there, too, uh, is uh, Zodiac by David Venture, uh, and Mm. Devil, uh, which... I've forgotten the guy's name, so I'll fill that in later. (laughs) Uh, But uh, it was pretty good.
0: Wasn't Devil uh, M. Night Shyamalan?
1: No, he actually uh, wrote the story for it. Um, But I'll go ahead and use the power of IMDb to pull up um, Devil here. Where
0: would we be without IMDb? I don't think this podcast would exist. Because yeah. where would you even find all this? They don't have that book like we used to have at the video stores where you could look up movie titles or actors or actresses and we get those updates every few weeks.
1: Oh, yeah, the movie Bible. Yeah, this yeah. Uh, this is the online movie Bible. John Eric Dowdle. I knew there was a Dowd in there somewhere. I'm probably not going to remember that name, but I'll, I'll try and keep remembering it. Mm-hmm. John Eric Dowdle. Pretty good guy. Um, uh, he directed, uh, if you're into horror films... Uh, He also did As Above, So Below, which I got to tell you is scary and really well done. And uh, he also did Quarantine. I think uh, a lot of people uh, saw that one as well. Uh, Also quite scary. Uh, But he's he's a good director. I think he's going to probably keep making a lot of really good stuff.
0: Yeah, I don't know why, but the movie Quarantine has been trending on uh netflix for the last few months and what i say i don't know why i mean i'm i'm it's obvious why people are drawn to the title right now given the world we live in but do you really want to watch that and just take yourself further down the rabbit hole of panic and misery
1: well i think that's a uh, research yeah right no hopefully it's not a uh a how-to or an instructional video in any way i think if uh not to spoil that but i'm pretty sure that was like a rabies outbreak or something if i remember correctly in like the small apartment complex but it's actually it was pretty good it was well done for for a little horror movie but
0: all right pretty Uh, sure i watched it when it came out but
1: yeah yeah it was a it was a while ago let's see that was in um 2008
0: yeah Oh, it's farther than I thought. I thought it was only in like the last six, seven years, but a decade. Mm-hmm. Well, like you said, uh, we we there's some homework. Uh, follow us on our social channels, but we also, uh, we love the reviews. So hopefully you'll take the time to go and review our podcast, preferably on Apple Podcasts, where it has the most impact on our, our uh, rankings, as it were, on uh, putting our podcast in front of more people. And we got a new one from a uh, friend of the show, Greg Mascabeza titled The Best Movie Podcast. Here's what he wrote. There's something for everyone on this podcast. Pop culture, nostalgia, trivia, movies, obviously, and more. Chris and Matt definitely know their stuff and deliver an entertaining and informative podcast in every episode. I especially enjoy their pitches on how they would make a sequel slash reboot to the franchise focused on in every episode. Thanks, Greg. Clearly he's listening. Yeah. And we enjoy uh, writing those pitches and making the show, so we're glad you we're glad you like it. So
1: let's have another show. Let's,
0: let's do it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> let's see. We've got a we've got a good show ahead of you today. I mean, again, this Spaceballs "What If" episode, uh, something I'm very excited about because I love Spaceballs. Spoiler. Um, what are we going to see today? We're going to answer some important questions along the way. How many Toms turned down the role of Lone Star? Who saved Mel money with his mouth? There's a tongue twister. Mm-hmm. And why don't we all own Spaceball's bed sheets? Cause we would if we could. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'd Can have all confirm.
1: Out. Get my flamethrower, my lunchbox. <laughs> I don't know uh, why, but that's
0: the one thing I remembered from watching the movie years ago was the flamethrower. <laughs> <laughs> Hilarious. Yeah. Uh yeah, but first, uh, what you watching? You know what? A lot of the same. There's not a lot of new content these days. Uh, I did get into Umbrella Academy Season 2. We did a full rewatch of Season 1, and I'm down to one episode left to finish it. I'm really digging the show. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., ironically, I'm also down to one episode to go, but that is the series finale, mm. and I'm, oh it hurts to know that it's ending. I have loved Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. since it aired, since it started. Love that show. So you're holding off on watching
1: the final show because you don't want it to end?
0: Exactly. I do that with things. I did that with Letterkenny, uh, which that's not a series finale, but was a season finale. I'm doing that with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And ironically, I am also doing it right now with Doom Patrol. (laughs) I don't know why. I just don't want it to end.
1: It's not over until you say it's over.
0: I guess so. It's on my (laughs) terms. Uh, and then uh, for some weird reason, I've I've been going through the HBO Max app and just looking through, just randomly scrolling down and picking a movie I haven't watched in a while. And I rewatched Friday Night Lights, hmm. which great movie. I totally forgot that Lucas Black from Tokyo Drift was the lead in that. Uh, once again, with his southern accent, no other actor could have pulled it off quite as well. I uh, did a great job. And then uh, I, that reminded me that there's an entire series that was really popular back 10 years ago. And so the wife and I are going to dive into Friday Night Lights, the series, and start watching. I forget how many seasons there are, but there's quite a few episodes of television there, which is good because new to us. Yeah, isn't that strange? I, I hadn't watched it either, and it's about Texas
1: football. Like, yeah. it, it, it should have been required watching for both of us. Or maybe it's not yeah. because we lived it instead. Not that I, either of us were football players, but we went to enough games and we knew the culture and everything. Uh, Vanessa watched the whole thing and she loved it. Um, that's but, a good but recommendation. Yeah, I, I, uh, yeah, I, I do want to see it. Just one of those I never got around to. Mm.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of good people in it too. A lot of actors that I'm a fan of. So I, I think I'm going to enjoy it. And that's good that we have stuff like that to go back to uh, that I don't have to buy box sets for. Thank God for the streaming age. Hmm. Uh, podcasts. I'm still listening to Mark Marin. Ever since you introduced me to that podcast, I have been completely addicted. I love the guests he has on. Most recently, I listened to Ice T. Yeah, I listened to Very that too. interesting. That was a great yeah, episode. I, yeah. I like him a lot. I didn't yeah. realize how much we had in common. I like him a lot. Um, how I built this is another one I listen to a lot from uh it gives me great perspective on business. Uh and this past week I listened to uh an interview with Michael Kurban, who started Vita Coco. The world's most popular coconut water brand. And one of my favorite episodes of all time, an interview with Jamie Simonoff, who started Ring as in the ring doorbell, Ring Security. Oh okay. uh, very interesting. He hmm. he ended up developing that product just for fun and never intended for it to be a business. And then years hmm. later sold it for billions of dollars to Amazon, which is crazy. Yeah. And then uh, our friends over at the Movie Jungle podcast, which you already hinted at some special guests. Well, there's a little there's a little preview who you're going to hear more from later. I've been listening to their podcast. Great guys. So uh, that's coming your way uh, later in the show. We got more on that. And then games. I'm still playing Call of Duty Modern Warfare Warzone, or should I say attempting? <laughs> uh, I'm playing Animal Crossing. It's got a big update, including custom fireworks, which is pretty crazy. I did an entire thing of Sully's. Uh, as fireworks in the sky. I'll have to share a clip so you guys can see it. Rocket League, about to go through some big changes itself as it becomes a uh, a cross-platform, but you can also uh, sync your cars and stuff across all the platforms mm. with new updates. And a new game everyone must check out called Fall Guys. If you haven't seen it yet, it's a wacky game with up to 60 players at once online, basically going through obstacle courses and playing little mini-games free on PlayStation Plus, and a minimal, I think, like twenty bucks on Steam if you want to check it out.
1: That's cool. Uh, yeah, I've been. Uh, we were watching a few things. I don't know why we. Uh, <laughs> a long time ago, we watched uh, the Hunger Games, and then we got all the way up until the uh, last movie, and we never watched the last movie. And that was like I don't know, two years ago or something. So we we're like, well, now we got to watch all of them. So we just sat down and we watched all of them. And you know, I forgot how much I actually liked that series like i i i remember it you know somewhat liking it but i, I it's really good it's better than i thought it would be we, we we preferred the first two to the last um you know parts uh the the whatever you're going to call that the last two i guess of the mo- of the franchise um but uh still overall i think uh, i think they did a good job with it. it's a good story i never did read the books um and maybe i should probably a bit more depth in, in the books but did enjoy the movies. Um, we also watched, uh, for a rewatch probably the hundredth time, Jurassic Park. Um, Interstellar. Watch that one again. Man, mm, just every time. It's brilliant. Love Interstellar. Uh, we watched the uh, Batman, uh, Tim Burton's uh, Batman, which was a lot of fun. Highlander, which I'll be honest with you, I, uh, I uh, started way too late and fell asleep. <laughs> I've seen that a bunch. You know, that's one of those that that's in my defense you know i've seen it so many times that it's it's uh it's okay i feel like <laughs> if i fall asleep yeah um but i did come back and finish it because um there is you know going to be highlander reboots and i kind of wanted to i'm thinking that that might be one of our our programs here uh, and even if it isn't i'll probably want to talk about that at some point because um it is a franchise that kind of went away I mean it it was big for a while had the TV show that went uh, you know carried it along for a little bit while too and that was it was a good show and um, and I'd be happy to see Highlander come back and and, uh, reboots fine with me I think it uh, it deserves another look because it's another one of those worlds that like I think there's more to be said and I'd be okay if they kind of rewrote the world a little bit The, the, the the sequel I'm gonna watch that one again soon but there's basically two versions of that too. I don't, I don't remember what the theatrical version is or whatever. But they they have an explanation that uh, one of the versions is pretty much they're aliens that are from another planet that they're at their prison sentences. is they're sent to Earth to be immortal as like a punishment. Um, uh, strange concept, sure, whatever. I don't know. Uh, but anyway, it's been a long time since I watched that, and I'd like to watch uh, try and watch uh, both versions of it actually. Um, to To see how that feels different, but but I'll be honest with you, like Christopher Lambert, like I I don't understand how he became an action star. Strange dude, like uh, how, we had some we had some oddball action stars in our time, you know. I'm really thinking about these guys that were on screen, I, you know, Arnold and, and Sly. They they were always meant to be action stars. They were the action stars. But Christopher Lambert, like how did how did he make that? It's an odd one. Um, and so I could totally see somebody else. Uh, picking up that role uh, and, and doing something with it. But the, the highlight really was uh, Sean Connery. Anytime he was on screen, I was like, this is already a thousand percent better. Um, as soon he as he stepped just on so screen,
0: good on screen. What is yeah. it about him? You're just drawn to every word he says in a film.
1: Yeah, he just has the charisma, he he just yeah. commands it. Uh, we also watched The Lovebirds, um, which was a, a really funny uh, sort of action movie. And I've already forgotten everybody's names. Um I know the guy was from uh let's see, Kamal Nanjiani. Oh, um I love him. Yeah, because he was on um uh Silicon, Silicon Valley,
0: Valley. Yeah,
1: uh, w- which was a lot of fun. And Issa Rae, which I'd never seen her in anything before, but she's she's been around in a few different things. Um and she was great. Um talk about charisma. I, 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 I had never seen her in anything and immediately liked her and um and I want to see her in some more stuff. I think she's going to be in the upcoming candy man but i'll check
0: yeah i watched that movie too and i enjoyed it it was actually really good considering it was i didn't hear much about it hyping it up in advance
1: she's not i was wrong let's see hmm oh she was in the hate you give i know that was a big one uh, i think that was also based off of a book that was like a bestseller hmm. i can't remember where i thought uh, she was gonna come up in a movie that i wanted to see hmm Vengeance? Is that it? I don't know. Anyway. Um, <laughs> um but I uh we we've we finished uh what's available on Modern Family. We're now waiting on season eleven to come on streaming, uh, because we'd like to wrap that up. And then I've been watching um uh these gaming streams, uh Minecraft, uh, so I'm watching like the Hermitcraft guys, uh those are great videos, and then this uh these uh Daisy game. I know the game's been out a little bit, but uh, just kind of got into it randomly um and it's a lot of fun but i i stumbled on this guy uh called wolf shadow it's like wolf Uh underscore shadow and he's just like 18 year old kid who sounds like he's in his 40s he's got this like soothing am radio (laughs) dj voice and he he never gets rattled like anytime he could be shot at a bear could be attacking him or he's like under a group of zombies and everything's like oh this is very terrifying i'm getting killed and torn apart and and everything's just very even culture but the guys he hangs out with are the craziest crew i've ever seen i've never cried laughing so much from watching other somebody else playing the game but yeah it's a lot of fun you should check him out um and he doesn't have a lot of followers or 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 anything so i feel like you know you know you get that kind of thing where you feel like you've discovered something you know this is the up and coming thing this is the guy um and the people he hangs out with so you should go go give him a follow and, and check out his stream it's a lot of fun
0: Tell you, now, being a part of that world and doing my own live streams of games and chatting and whatnot, I, I, I like to seek out new other streamers new to me. Uh, sometimes they're new to the game like him. They don't have a big following. Sometimes they're people with thousands, millions of followers just to see what they do. And I'm always amazed, much like we were talking about with Sean Connery. What is it that gets you to stick around and watch a streamer? Is it their voice? Is it the content uh, of what they say? Is it the community that they create? Like, every one of them is unique and different. I've been fortunate enough where I've got a pretty good uh, audience at all times, but you watch some of these others and you're like, hey, I'm enjoying this. Why are there only seven people watching? Yeah. I, I don't get it because I looked it up and at any given time, there's 1.8 million people watching Twitch. Where are they all? Yeah. It is
1: strange, like, and it is very skewed. Like, I, I I follow a few people now, and you see that they'll start a stream and they've got ten thousand people, like, in the first five yep. seconds. And then mm-hmm. you see these other uh, folks that are that are on there, and yeah, they've been going for like eight hours already for the day, and they have like two people. And I'll jump into those, like, I'm eager to see. Okay, do they deserve this low viewership, or you know, because they're boring, or they just don't? get how you need to be constantly talking to your audience or whatever, even though I guess <laughs> if they have such a low audience, they feel like they may not need to say, but I, I heard somebody um, say that uh, uh, their advice to anybody was just basically talk to yourself. You know, if it doesn't matter if anybody's watching or not, just basically you you would just be talking as if you're alone anyway, uh, but always be, Uh, talking and then if you can check the stream if there's anybody talking then uh, you know the chat then uh, call people out and people love to to interact and stuff
0: i mean that's one of the reasons you're there watching live versus watching a youtube video so that's a good point yeah Yeah.
1: Mm -hmm. okay so um i do have a uh a special segment today and it covers um parody and mel brooks and kind of uh you know A little bit of of Spaceballs fun, because that's what this whole episode's all about. If imitation is flattery, then parody is a love letter. Like only true friends can poke fun at each other, only a true movie fan can make parody films. When I think of parodies, I think of names like David Zucker and Mel Brooks. I think of franchises like Naked Gun, Austin Powers, Shrek, Scary Movie. There's one-off classics like Last Action Hero, Mars Attacks, Clue, and Galaxy Quest. Each of these brilliant movies is dependent on the abundance of content from general categories like action or cop dramas, and sometimes they're direct tributes to franchises like Star Trek or James Bond. Spaceballs, however, may be the ultimate parody movie. Not only does it honor one of the greatest franchises of all time, but I.L.M. did all the space effects in post production, so it was as similar in style and feel as it could be to the original. George Lucas even wrote Brooks about how much he loved the movie, saying, It's a dangerous comedy. I was afraid I would bust something from laughing. Some people think parody is dead or rather that it's been diluted by half-hearted, disjointed efforts. And on the surface, they may be right, but what I see is an expansion of parody moving into new types of films. There's movies like 21 Jump Street or Shaun of the Dead that build off an existing franchise with a certain self-awareness, but are ultimately independent movies that stand on their own. Sacha Baron Cohen's satirical comedies and deep character immersion are sometimes called parodies, but despite the often exaggerated content, they're ultimately in-depth looks at cultural issues exposing the true nature of people and society. South Park falls into that category as well. Tropic Thunder might just belong there too, but that's my point. It's hard to nail down just what category some movies fall into, or to identify a director as parody exclusive. Edgar Wright is amazing, and I'll watch anything he puts out, but each of his movies is different. The same goes for Christopher Guest, but his comedy I wouldn't consider strictly parody. I don't know what Sausage Party is or even the Lego Batman movie. They contain parody, but that may not mean that's all they are. I think parody is still alive and well, but it's different now. It's not Mel Brooks anymore, and that's okay. The love is still there, and love has many different faces.
2: Hmm.
0: Yeah, some good points in there. I, I kind of miss uh, those. I actually caught a little bit of Naked Gun the other day. And I thought, hey, why do we have movies like this anymore? And and you just spoke to it. You kind of nailed it.
1: Yeah, it's different. You know, I was thinking when I was writing the pitch, I was like, who's Mel Brooks now? Like, uh, who is our, you know, this era's Mel Brooks? And I just don't think that exact style is there anymore. There's stuff that's similar. Um, You know, we still have like, well, the Farrelly brothers haven't made anything in a little while. Um, But, uh, you know, there's there's zucker's still around he's still making stuff he's actually not to ruin my pitch but he's who i chose to direct um mm-hmm. and you know you could say ben stiller does stuff like that i mean there's um you know the scary movie guys uh that i think that changes hands um but the wayne brothers um did some yep. stuff there um they, they did uh they did a few different movies uh, i'm gonna get you sucker. <laughs> a long time ago that was a that was a great one yeah. um so I mean they're still around, but they just don't feel quite the same to me as a Mel Brooks movie. He he just had his own his own style that I just don't think we're gonna see again.
0: I I think uh the old saying, you know, everything comes around, what's old is new again, history repeats itself. I, I think that's true with film too. Like you said, there are twists and turns and different takes. But I feel like if we got a Mel Brooks style movie today, we could see a resurgence in that. Uh, that would start probably with a, like younger audiences going back and watching some of these films, like Spaceballs and History of the World Part One, and uh, you know the movies like that, and going, "Oh man, this is amazing! We want more of this." I c- I could see it coming back, but it will take it would take something new to to pull it back to the forefront.
1: Well, I think it, I think it also relies on. Um... A huge franchise to begin with. I mean, Spaceballs had a lot of material to work with, and it was it was hugely loved. Um, everybody loved Star Wars. And so we also need that to work off of, too. Like, we had all the Scream movies and stuff uh, for the scary movies. Um, they had... What, what else have they done? The um, Disaster movie, I think it's just called, which is, mm-hmm. you know, off of all those. There's the... Not another um, teen movie. Not another teen movie, right? Uh, there's that mm-hmm. the three hundred one. I forget what it's called. Um, oh yeah, the uh, Spart. Um, I am Spartans or something like. that. I don't remember. But oh. anyway,
0: there's one on Netflix I've been meaning to watch that I'm pretty sure is exactly that called Norseman. That looks like it's a a, a spoof of Vikings. And, oh, and I I put it off, but it looks to be kind of like uh, what was that movie Cavemen? Yeah. Back yeah. in the day with Ringo Starr. Right, it's yeah. kind of like that but it's vikings and uh, no, I, I need to I've, watch it it could be exactly what we're talking about
1: uh it, it is. it's a, i've actually watched uh, like four episodes or something it is really funny uh i there liked you know. it for whatever reason i just didn't come back to it. i keep it's on my list though like uh, uh i don't know why that happens like i watch something and then i just get on something else you know whatever but but i did yeah. enjoy all the episodes i thought that was pretty pretty funny <laughs> But we are talking about Spaceballs, so let's talk about Spaceballs. The synopsis is, a star pilot and his sidekick must come to the rescue of a princess and save the galaxy from a ruthless race of beings known as Spaceballs. This stars Mel Brooks. Uh, He's acted in most of the movies he's directed, Uh, switched to voice work in his later years, so you might have heard him recently in the Hotel Transylvania uh, series as Vlad. Uh, Toy Story 4 as Meliphant Brooks. (laughs) Ha 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 and he's also the voice of a shogun in the upcoming movie called blazing samurai which Ah. is an animated movie inspired by as you could guess blazing saddles so and i've read who's in that and it's got a lot of good uh cast in there so i think we might actually have a pretty good uh humorous film it's probably gonna be a bit more adult oriented as well um, Any
0: chance Seth Rogen was on that list for that one?
1: You know, I don't. Now, let's take a look.
0: Well, I only asked because you mentioned animated films and and I just listened to a podcast with him. He was on WTF uh, recently mm. and and he had already started his own uh animation studio. They're getting a lot of work. And I think they're going to get a lot more in this post or mid and post-COVID universe. Mm. Because people are the acting is gonna change now, the way they people interact with one another. So I think we'll get a lot more animated stuff soon.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. Uh now we've got uh, Michelle Yo, Samuel Jackson, Michael Sarah, Mel Brooks, Ooh. uh Ricky gervais uh Jimone Hanso, George takei um Mel wow. B. <laughs> well, it's a shame we don't get to see her. Um, uh, but uh I'll hear her. So voice. you get
0: Mel Brooks and Mel B. That's pretty yeah, funny.
1: That's great. <laughs> Uh, so back to spaceballs. Um, John Candy um, was also in this. Uh, died in '94, uh, but you, uh, I know, tear every time. Too, too soon. I miss him. I we had so him. much more to get from John Candy.
2: What was that? Never mind that. What was that? <gasps> Hi. Who are you? Barf. Not in here, Mister. This is a Mercedes.
3: Ah, oh, that's my name, Barf. Barf. What are you? I'm a mog, half man, half dog. I'm my own best friend. He,
1: uh, You may have seen him in Summer, summer Rental, The Great Outdoors, Uncle Buck. Uh, Rick Moranis, uh, continuing our series on Rick Moranis, apparently. Uh, he was in uh, Ghostbusters, Little Shop of Horrors, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Bill Pullman's in this. You probably recognize him from Independence Day or Lake Placid or maybe even The Grudge. Uh, Daphne Zuniga. Uh, she was on Melrose Place, uh, One Tree Hill. Uh, she was in The Fly 2 this was directed by mel brooks who uh directed things like the producers blazing saddles young frankenstein robin hood midden tights uh all very funny uh and he wrote this as well along with thomas Meehan and ronnie graham and these uh it's the ampersand symbol here do we remember from our lesson from uh previous show what that means it's a writing team yes. uh all three wrote you do that all three wrote together on uh spaceballs the animated series as well which if you didn't know yes there was a spaceballs animated series um came out uh in like 2008 or something um short-lived unfortunately uh, this came the movie came out in 1987 uh that year big big ones at the box office were lethal weapon the untouchables good morning vietnam beverly hills cop 2 fatal attraction and three men and a baby which is also going to get a remake uh that one out at the box office of 167 million and i know that was a huge hit uh for disney um on that one and so i'm sure they're going to see a repeat of that uh this was uh 38 million Made at the box office for Spaceballs on a $22 million budget. One of his, um, Mel Brooks's higher um, budgeted films. So not a great hit. Also, the ratings aren't really all that favorable. Rotten Tomatoes says 57%. So that does bring us into, and one of the things again and again, this is a movie that we loved as kids. How much of that is. Just nostalgia, our our love of it. Did when you watched it again, what do you think? I
0: I think there definitely was some of that. I, I as I'm watching through this time, I didn't find myself just like laughing out loud, literally, like I didn't spit my drink at any point, uh, because I knew the jokes were coming up, and they were funny. But the I've talked about this many times before. The pacing is much slower than what we get than nowadays like if you compare one of the scary movies those those hits are just non-stop through the whole movie spaceballs actually tells a story it's it's well written i think i'm not a movie writer but i like the overall story it was a simple story it had some laughs but it wasn't quite as funny as i remember i'll be honest
1: yeah i agree um i think um i think some of the jokes that hit um when i was younger may not have hit so much now um but it, and i think part of that you're right is is already knowing the jokes yeah. uh we're we're waiting we remember the jokes and we're waiting for the one that comes up we're waiting to see um you know somebody's reaction that really takes the joke and and elevates it um we're watching stuff in the background and you know things that uh that we yeah. may not have watched before because we have seen it so many times and i i do think um nostalgia it's a big part of this and a love for star wars is probably um what also made us love this when it came out because i like we're talking about with uh, parody options now like i don't there wasn't a ton of them this this may have actually been my introduction to parody movies i can't really tell you what i had seen before this uh that were straight up like a mel brooks movie i watched his stuff far later um like i I think i probably saw this before i saw young frankenstein um uh, before i saw blazing saddles um so um so i but anyway that that uh that was all new to me so star wars was still fresh even though this came out years afterward um uh, but parody i think was new to me so i think things were funnier because i had not seen you know now we've been exposed to so much that we're kind of jaded i guess or or we uh, we expect our jokes to have three punchlines rather than one or you know whatever um but yeah i i think uh i think overall rick moranis is is really who brings us home he like, did like john candy's funny and uh there's some great lines and great gags in this and mel brooks is always good but rick moranis is who made the film <laughs>
3: What's the matter with this thing? What's all that churning and bubbling? You call that a radar screen? No, sir. We call it Mr. Coffee. Care for some? Yes! I always
0: have coffee when I watch radar. You know that. Of course I do, sir. Everybody knows that. Of, of course, course we, do, we sir. do, sir! I totally agree with that. Yeah, without him, if you if you cast somebody else in that part, it, it would not have been the same movie. From his facial expressions to the delivery of the lines to the just making fun of himself. You know, I, I just loved it. I loved everything he did on screen for this film. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and uh, I don't remember if I had this in trivia or not, but Mel Brooks said uh, he he wouldn't do another sequel without him. And I think in that statement, he's saying the same thing that we are. Like, he knows yep. Rick, Rick Miranda's
0: is Spaceballs. Smart Mel Brooks. All right, any other notes on... Uh the rewatch i mean going going to the nostalgia thing i i started making some notes on this one and quickly gave up on it i was like i've seen this so many times i don't think i need to make notes i didn't catch anything in the background that really blew my mind i mean most of the sets fairly simple uh i i did notice a few touches here and there uh but the the opening scene where the ship takes forever to go across mm. and then has the uh the bumper sticker we break for nobody i remember Specifically, seeing that at the movie theater as a kid, I, I don't think Me I made too. that memory up. I think that really happened.
1: No, I remember. And it. uh, do you remember it too? Yeah, I do.
0: And I remember laughing because it felt like that lasted for 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember laughing as the ship's going across, going, Is this ever going to end? Like, you know, that was that was wacky. And the only scene I can compare it to in films that now seems so short. Is Predator. Predator. Is whenever, I knew you were say that. <laughs> you knew it too, right? Yeah. So when they bust out the minigun and they're just hosing down that whole series of trees, that whole and they create like an opening in the woods that felt like it lasted for twenty minutes when we saw it at the theater, but now you watch it, and it's like a fifteen-second segment. Yeah. It's kind of funny as you get older; those things change your your perception of a scene or or, or the way something's acted, or like you were saying, is it's the nostalgia versus uh, the way we see it now. Uh but but I, I just watching that scene, it felt like I was home. That that ship coming across. I felt like I was a kid again. Uh and I and I love seeing that. And I love seeing a young Mel Brooks and I love seeing John Candy act again. I mean, those were mm-hmm. to me, those were big parts of my childhood because they did make so many memorable movies. Uh and then you had, you know, Bill Pullman was was a nobody at the time. Mm-hmm. No one knew who he was. He's gone on to have a hell of a career uh and still acting in a lot of stuff uh Daphne Zuniga like you mentioned has been in several things but not film wise we haven't seen her in film in a long long time which is kind of a shame I thought she did a she did a pretty good job
2: what's going on it's either the fourth of July or someone's trying to kill us hey I don't have to put up with this
0: I'm rich and then of course Rick Moranis like you said he stole the show and And I love seeing that. I mean, overall I would watch this again and again and again, and we're going to get to it at some point, but I need some merch. That's the thing I kept thinking is I want all the things they showed in there, the shirts and the, the the action figures and all that. I want it all.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And, and that's one of our, our questions for the show is, uh, you know, why don't we own all this stuff? And we'll, we'll talk about that later. Um, But it's a shame because I, as much as it's a joke within the movie, we would love to have all that stuff. That'd be so great. And nowadays, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if somebody did like limited run T-shirts and everything else where, you know, it's not directly uh, from the uh, producers or anything, but they still have it. Um, I don't know if anybody has a flamethrower, but um, you you never know. Uh, (laughs) um, But yeah, that's a shame that something like that couldn't have been worked out. So that at least someone somewhere is manufacturing that stuff. Because a lot of people still do love this movie. And um, even just for the comic value of owning those things to say you own them would be worth it.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: I was going to say, Bill Pullman, um, I didn't put a note in it, but he's on this show called The Sinner. Um, Hmm. uh, It's from 2017 to 2020. Uh, I'd never heard of it he's a, a main character it's a anthology series that examines how and why ordinary people commit brutal crimes sounds cool um let's see what's it say what that oh, it's on um, i
0: saw the title while doing my research and usa kind of i think meant to look up more but
1: yeah it doesn't have an end date so i guess it's still going hmm. so if you want to see yeah. bill pullman which i like him a lot too um you should check out that show
0: He's got a he's got a certain air to him, which is why I think he made a good president in Independence Day. There is a there is a draw to him on screen. He does have a way that he speaks that demands a bit of respect, I think. Uh, But he's not an A-list actor. He's not a he's not a Tom Cruise or a Tom Hanks or one of those guys. You know,
1: that speech he gives in Independence Day. uh, It's still I get goosebumps every time. Like, that's a perfect delivery of a great speech yeah that's a yeah good he, one.
0: he really nailed it iconic
1: okay, well, um, we
0: do have special guests. uh, you want to talk a little bit about uh Brian and Mike yeah, absolutely. so around the time that you and I started our podcast, a good buddy of mine, Brian. Brian, uh, was a coworker at Funko. Uh, he's a graphic designer. He's a streamer. We got a lot in common. Uh, he started a podcast called movie jungle with, uh, some friends of his, he's the featured guest on all of them. They're the featured host. He has on uh, his buddy, Mike, he has on his girlfriend, Betty, uh, from time to time, they just completed an entire series, uh, looking back at the Harry Potter films. He has on uh, a buddy of his from his other podcast, uh, the, uh, uh, that he does, uh, this guy, Jay, uh, they come in and they talk movies. And the the byline, if you will, the little description that they have on Anchor.fm, where their podcast is hosted, says, My friends, join me to talk movies. Reviews, lists, hypotheticals, and most importantly, tangents. Plenty of tangents. And uh, I was fortunate enough to be his first guest on there in episode one long ago, and we've been talking for a while about, hey, could we do a crossover episode? Since they're talking movies, we're talking movies, but we do different things on our podcasts. So this was the week. I mentioned it to him on a quick road trip we did. Hey, we're doing Spaceballs. He's like, oh, could that be the one? And so this week, Movie Jungle will launch an episode of their podcast on the same day that ours goes up, hopefully, if all goes according to plan, focused on Spaceballs, and they're going to be, uh, we're, we're going to have a little segment over there that we'll talk about in a minute. But for right now, we're going to actually uh, invite them into the studio here. And they have created their own pitches for Spaceballs, which we'll play for you now.
2: All right. So uh, thank you for having us so much, Sully Brothers, Matt and Chris. Uh, we're excited to be here. Uh, this is a really nice podcast. I like it here. You guys take good care yeah, of this sure. play. It's really
3: cozy. Yeah.
2: Yeah. This it's clean. Is, uh-huh. Very clean. It's very organized. I like the color arrangement. Mm, the red is strong. It's a good shade of red. Um. Yeah. Anyways, we are excited to do this joint podcast with you guys, and we all had the great pleasure of watching Spaceballs, and now we are going to do our best to pitch our Spaceball sequels for your wonderful listeners. Uh, I do not fancy myself an incredible writer. Uh, that's... Not what we do here on the movie jungle. Typically,
3: I'm just gonna real quick just just real quick slide here. Um, <laughs> so in high school, Brian and I were in a satire class. This oh was probably God. one of our formative bonding experiences as 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 friends. It was watching this film in a satire class, and we lost it multiple times in this class while watching it. What was
2: that teacher's name? He. I don't know about. I, I, I remember him, we
3: were disciplined I, multiple times while watching this this movie.
2: Yeah, I, this again. We're not going to keep this long winded. But I don't remember his name. I did see him wearing like a Tommy Bahama shirt on vacation in New Mexico when I was down there with my friends. So. Uh, So this this is Mr. Vernon. Shout out to Mr. Vernon. Yeah.
3: Long story short, though, this is uh, this movie has a near and dear place in Brian and I's heart as just one of the formative experiences of our friendship. So I hope you guys enjoy our pitches.
2: Yeah. Yeah. We're excited about it. Okay. so here we go. I'm going to go first. Uh, We talked about our options. It was either I go first and then Mike goes second or I gave Mike the option to go first and then I would go second. So we went over our choices and I'm I'm gonna go first. <laughs> Alright, so the title of my my sequel, my retake, is Spaceballs Two, The Search for Barf. The director of this film will be Jorma Taconi. Is it Tacconi? Mm-hmm. He directed McGruber, which is a very underrated, very funny film, as well as Pop Star Never Stop, Never Stopping. He's one of the Lonely Island guys. Um Yeah, I think he could handle this. Oh, and Hot Rod. Hot Rod's brilliant. I love Hot Rod. So without any further ado, let's get into it. It's been a long time since Lone Star was traveling the galaxy. He's been happy with Princess Vespa raising their two children on Druidia for the past 25 years. On a beautiful summer day, he suddenly gets news of the disappearance of Barf. Having learned that the evil Lord Dark Helmet has survived their previous encounter, he calls him up to see if he's behind it. Dark Helmet, of course played by Rick Moranis, responds by saying, No, I'm actually pretty chill these days. (laughs) Satisfied with that answer, Lone Star moves on. (laughs) I didn't write that part. I just didn't. All right. Lone (laughs) Lone Star wants nothing more than to adventure through space in the old Winnebago to find his recently departed friend. However, he's sort of trapped on Druidia due to a medical condition that he has recently acquired and is very funny. It's very funny. It? <laughs> I didn't write that joke. I'm gonna leave that I'm for sure right. Be hilarious. Yep. Uh, with the option to travel through space and search for his friend removed from his path, there's no choice left but for that responsibility to fall on his son's friend's cousin, Bose, played by Bose. Ron Funches. Uh, Bose is spelled with a Z to avoid um, copyright issues. Uh, played by Ron Funches. If you don't know who Ron Funches is, you probably heard his voice in things and seen him pop up as a side character. But he's a very funny man, and I recommend you look him up. Uh, word has spread that a queen known throughout the galaxy for her incredible beauty is ready to choose her suitor. We later learn that this gorgeous queen, played by Aubrey Plaza, is a carbon Jeez. approximation of your average Disney princess. Is that? Can I say a carbon approximation? People get it. I invented it. Uh, Although her furry companions are always getting into dark shenanigans. Barf always dreamed of settling down with a princess of his own, and the crew determines that the most likely place he has gone is to find his princess. However, Barf is not the only suitor interested in her hand. It appears none other than the direct descendant of the long-forgotten Prince Sleepyhead is hot on the trail of Barf and will do anything to stop him from getting to the princess, or even better, get there first. This new Prince Valium, played by Bo Burnham, was, Bo Burnham, <laughs> I love Bo Burnham, <laughs> will stop at nothing to get his future bride, to get to his future bride, unless he gets tired. Uh, while in pursuit of Barf, Bo's accompanied by his abnormally tall lizard-like friend Naka, played by a heavily make and presumably grumpy Conan O'Brien. Uh, they're, sent, they're sent an urgent message from Yogurt asking for help on his home world of Dannon. After arriving, they realize the Schwartz war on Dannon has been going on for years. They ask Yogurt why he didn't request help sooner, and he explains that he was waiting for nostalgia to take over Hollywood feist. <laughs> <laughs> After assisting Yogurt, they learn of a new power to allow for Schwartz-assisted super speed travel. They use this power to intercept barf, before he gets to the queen after convincing barf and the queen to return together back to Druidia, the camera follows barf off the ship. A cool camera. I'm picturing a cool camera shot from behind, um, off the ship into the waiting arms of his best friend, Lone Star. Our heroes are together again at last. Also, John Oliver plays the ship's computer. (laughs) That's awesome. That's great. (laughs) So that's my, that's my take. I think it'd be pretty fun. Um, and I don't intend for Barf's face to ever be seen in this film because I'm not recasting John Candy in mine. Smart. Yeah.
3: My only my only issue with yours is that I don't think it would take a lot
2: of makeup to make...
3: Conan O'Brien look like a lizard person
2: oh you lean right into that that's why he's perfect that's that's (laughs) called yeah that's a good casting director doing their jobs what that is (laughs) I don't think it would take I don't think it would take a lot of makeup to make that transition (laughs) that's and I like him just being like when he's grumpy on making and doing the like Conan travels thing and he's just like grumping around and like oh I'd love it so much anyways I realized that I have like one actor in mind it's like everyone is a comedian, except except Aubrey Plaza. Anyways, uh, I digress. So, that's my pitch. Uh, do you have something else it you does, want to add? Uh, so
3: Lone Star, um, Bill Pullman still. Bill Pullman, right? Yep. Uh, yogurt, Mel Brooks. Does does Yogurt yep. show his face?
2: Yeah, yeah. It's uh, CGI assisted. Mel Brooks still. Sure. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, that's awesome, though. So that's my oh, yeah, it's that's good. spaceballs. Good, good happy too. ending search for like it yeah so nice yeah all right your turn um let's see what you got all right so um
3: good luck keeping track of my convoluted storyline keep notes write this down as you go refer back to said (laughs) notes when we get to the end let's hope this all makes sense okay um so first of all my movie is written and directed by Matt Stone and Trey Parker, who I think are one of the few writers directors that can still make parody movies are so hard and satire movies are so hard to do these days because they've been so overplayed I think they could pull it off yeah those guys are brilliant, um, brilliant. so the the title of my movie is um ripped from in like two thousand and fifteen there was there's um, rumors. There was rumors that they were going to try to make one, and the title in 2015 was Spaceballs Three: The Search for Spaceballs Two. <laughs> it's such a good title. So style. it's a great one. So I took a lot of inspiration <laughs> from that name, took the name, and then I came up with my with my storyline from there. So this is kind of it's kind of more of a skeleton. You kind of fill in the blanks. Matt Matt and Trey will take it away from yep. my uh, from my cue. Yeah. Um, so, anyways, let's see it. So the movie opens Spaceballs Three the search for Spaceballs 2. And the movie opens on a darkened figure from the back. And it's got a hood on. He's he's being lit from the front side. Mm -hmm. So what you're seeing is still in shadow in the back. And then the movie pans down his back, over his right shoulder, and then settles at about waist level. And you see a side lit table in front of him. And then on this table, you see a figurine.
2: An action figure? Of
3: an action figure of Lone Star. And after a beat, you see this gloved, black gloved hand awkwardly try to smash it. <laughs>
2: <Just> kinda... <laughs> okay.
3: so it takes a couple tries, and then he eventually just shoots it off the table. Okay. And then we go to a dissolve, and then we open up on our heroes. But our heroes aren't Bill Pullman and John Candy as we're so used to. Our heroes are uh a different Lone star and a different barf. This is Lone Star played by Kurt Russell with his long flowing hair, <laughs> and then Barf played by a chubby chris Pratt uh Andy Dwyer <laughs> something is great okay. and, they're <laughs> and they're driving in this in this version uh. Winnebago has been uh, has been purchased by Tesla, so they're driving a Tesla Bago. Um, <laughs> but it, it still it still looks <clears throat> close enough to a Winnebago in shape that it doesn't have to be like explained to the viewer that this is still the Winnebago. You're sure. still going to be able to catch up. Got You're that. still going to be able to catch it from just looking at it. Yeah. Um, let's see what comes next. Like I said, this is more of like a structure or an yeah. idea. So you yeah. know, first act, first act, first act's. Um, our big bad is—you're never really going to see his face. Anytime you see him, he's going to be shown uh, in sort of a holographic, a la Darth Sidious. You're never really going to be able to see his face, but when you hear him, he's going to be voiced by a very sexy Robert Downey Jr. And our nice. primary bad guy that we're going to be able to focus on throughout the movie is going to be <laughs> is going to be played by Ben Mendelsohn who you'll remember uh, from several tremendous roles, but more more recently sci-fi as director Krennic in Rogue One. Right. I think he'd be great for this role because his role in that movie was really just a comedic role minus the punchlines because he's always just, like, flapping about the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> so the director is going to be the main bad guy we follow as uh, Dark Hood, <laughs> uh tells the director to go to go around the galaxy. You know, he, he's in search of something. And so as the second first act and the second act go on, um we find out that Dark Hood, mm-hmm. our big bad. Dark Hood is is seeking out this lost data core. Yep. Um from an alternate universe. Yep. And we find out he wants to find this lost data core Uh, to fulfill an ancient prophecy. (laughs) Okay. And we find out as we go through the second act that this lost data core is located in the original Spaceballs universe because we are now watching Spaceballs from an alternate universe. So Dark Hood wants to go back to the original Spaceballs universe to find this lost data core. And we find out that this lost data core is actually a VHS of Spaceballs 2 that's yep. inside the Spaceballs 1 universe. Okay. <laughs> I love are it. you with me? Yep, yep. I'm with you. <laughs> I'm following. Uh, so, and his his idea is that he wants to watch this VHS of Spaceballs 2 to find the secrets of space travel so that he can travel back in time to before Spaceballs 1 so that he can dispose of Lone Star and barf um, mm-hmm. so that he can kidnap and seduce Princess Vespa to fall in love with him, fulfilling his fantasy from Spaceballs one, when Dark Hood, who is revealed as Dark Helmet, um, was was fantasizing with the <laughs> with the dolls. So in his Spaceballs pro- one his episode. prophecy,
2: his prophecy is just the scene where he's playing with the action figures. Yeah, his 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 (laughs) prophecy is just his
3: fantasy from the previous movie. So So he wants to go back to the Spaceballs One universe to find the VHS of Spaceballs Two, so that he can find the secret of space travel, so he can travel back in time to before Spaceballs One, so that he can dispose of Lone Star and Barf, kidnap Vespa, seduce her, and bring her over to his to him. (laughs) Yeah. Anyways, while this is revealed, uh, Kurt Russell and Chris Pratt's Lone Star and Barf. Are are in a race against time to get back to this original Spaceballs universe. They do. We find Bill Pullman's Lone Star, uh, who is depressed. He's broken up from Princess Vespa. She took the kids and the Winnebago and the divorce. Uh, Barf is is you know, he's not with him. We don't learn why. Um, he's not looking. But good. it's very. It's not looking good. It's very tragic. We find him in like a space diner somewhere, mm-hmm. you know, sipping down black coffee and drinking or and eating pancakes without syrup. It's a very sad moment, oh God so Kurt Russell and chris Pratt's characters they need to uh motivate Bill Pullman to help save the universe because he's got information on where spaceballs two is, and then ultimately, you know third act, third act, third act, bunch of action scenes that I didn't think of, yep. ultimately. Um, original universe Lone Star, second universe Lone Star are in an epic space battle to try to stop Dark Hood slash original universe Dark Helmet from getting space balls too. And original universe uh, Lone Star, in his original Winnebago, in in a great callback to Independence Day, fires off a missile to blow up to blow up dark helmets, big, scary spaceship saying, uh, Eagle one Fox two (laughs) shoots off the missile, blows up the spaceship. And then he is able to travel back in time. Um, and then the movie closes with a younger version of Bill Pullman, a younger version of princess Vespa, and then a CGI John Candy as barf kind of going off into the sunset post baseballs one, um and kind of giving lone star a second chance to save his friend and keep his marriage alive and it's very it's very hopeful it's a very happy moment um very happy ending that's awesome that's (laughs) that's that's my idea it's kind of a lot
2: i love it so much it's so convoluted but that's so perfect for a satire when it's all about the gags along the way anyways yeah. Oh, and I had, so I-, I had this idea I had this idea Russell. Russell like- and Chris Pratt as alternate universe, <laughs> Lone Star and Barb is the best.
3: <laughs> yeah. I really fell in love with that idea. I like the idea. I'm really bad at thinking of gags, but I think the one gag that I thought of that I thought would be cool is that when they're going when they're traveling from universe to universe, mm-hmm. they kind of steal a bit from their late most recent Star Wars when they light speed skip.
2: Yeah. Don't get into um, it now. And keep, the, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> keep, <laughs> uh, focus.
3: Uh, and they 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 reality skip or the universe skip, and so like uh, you'll see them as they go from universe to universe. They'll pop into other famous pop culture scenes. Yep. Um, like one of them would be where Kurt Russell and Chris Pratt they pop into uh Guardians, like the, Guardians of the Galaxy doing they're like dance off with Ronan the Accuser. Oh, that. And be then great. like. Barf and um, Star-Lord have, like, a quick moment before they blink back out. <laughs> and then other, like, maybe they jump into, like, the Enterprise. Uh...
2: Two hours later.
3: <laughs> the place where they fly, the bridge. Right? <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, into the Enterprise bridge. Yeah. I don't sweet. know. That that's like sweet. the only gag I could think of. I love it, dude. That sounds so great. Um I hope these get made now. I assume they both will and then people will be able to like vote on Netflix like which one they want to watch. Um Yeah. Well, anyways, that's that's it. Uh we kept it as short and sweet as we could. We're pretty bad with tangents. So sorry if it ran a little long. But um yeah, thanks again everybody for uh welcoming us over to Movie Retakes. Thank you Matt and Chris. Uh, the Sully brothers. Um, yeah. Yeah. I look forward to doing this again. Yeah. I, I,
0: uh, I hope they appreciate now how, uh, how difficult it is to do this. And honestly, <laughs> I, every week I'm like, okay, I'm going to set aside, I'm going to set aside some time to work on this and I, I know they did the same thing and, and, and you get started and then you realize, oh, crap, what am I going to do? Where do I take this? What What's yep. next? And then I'll go, I guess it's like writing. I'm not a writer. You are. So you, you've probably run into this many times, but I get started down an avenue and then go, oh, no, that doesn't work for these 22 reasons. That's stupid. Let me back out and start that over again. Or or some weeks it just flows. Like I can just write mm. it all out and I'm ready to go. So uh, I hope I had fun with the process like I do every week.
1: Yeah. Now imagine writing a book and you get a third of the way through and you're like, this doesn't work at all. Cool. In the In the bin.
0: <laughs> cool. Most sarcastic, cool of all. I'll time. just
1: start over, I guess. Oh. No big deal. Buy 60,000 yeah.
0: words. <laughs> yeah, I. Oh, God. I can't. No, I can't fathom it because I'm, I'm the hoarder when it comes to anything. I would never delete it. I would just have like 82 different versions saved on my computer and then I'd get lost in which one I was working on.
1: Oh, yeah. Those, those still linger and I'll borrow. You know, there's a couple of lines and stuff I'll pull. But, uh, yeah, sometimes you just, uh, doesn't work out and you have to go again but that's
0: all right it, it all comes together eventually all right i think you went first last i went time. first last time but before you give yours this time let me just interject one thing here in case it comes up for a future giveaway this week's super, super secret keyword is yogurt y-o-g-u-r-t yogurt jot that down keep it somewhere safe i'm just plain yogurt <laughs> Uh, with a little strawberry or something. <laughs> merchandising, merchandising,
3: where the real money from the movie is made. Space falls the T-shirt. Space falls the coloring book. Space the lunchbox. Space falls the breakfast cereal. Space the flamethrower. The kids love this one. So last but not least, space falls the
2: doll. Me. The Schwartz be with you.
1: Oh man, what we should be uh we should be giving away space balls to flamethrowers to everybody. I don't I don't know how you ship <gasps> those
0: in the mail safely, but um, try. That's going to lead to a open file with some sort of government <laughs> agency. I don't know if I'm down with that.
1: It's just a big lighter <laughs> where we we write space balls in, in in a marker on it.
0: That's actually a brilliant idea. <laughs> I love it. Custom. Space
1: Spaceballs the lighter. Um uh, and uh alright, so I will uh I'll give you a little bit here. Um first of all, the title is Spaceballs, the movie before the other movie, even though the other movie came out first. AKA a prequel. Uh <laughs> casting in this now I dug deep for casting. Um and by that, uh, I'll I'll be like everybody else who researches a topic it has been that's uh, the equivalent of spending five seconds on Google. Uh, Jesse Plemons, uh, but I do like my choices here. Um, Jesse Plemons um, is uh, you may know him from Todd and Breaking Bad, uh, and he's been on quite a few other things. But just I don't I don't know what everybody knows him from. Lucas Till, uh, he was in the X Men movies as Havoc, and he's been he's been on quite a few other things now. Um, but he's, he's likeable, and, I th- and they're supposed to be brothers. So Jesse is going to be Heinlich and uh, Lucas is Skidmark. Um, Mel Brooks will come back as Yogurt. And uh, Noah Jupe is the teen Dark Helmet. Uh, you'll know him from A Quiet Place. He's the son from A Quiet Place. And I do have a younger version of Dark Helmet as well, but I, I'll leave that to to casting to find the next bright young star. Uh, David Zucker is going to direct this. He is still directing stuff. You'll know him as the director of Airplane, Top Secret, Scary Movie 3 and 4. Um, and he might be uh, the only director or the director to have the most movies with exclamation points in the title. Because I don't think that happens very often. Um, so he actually has three. <laughs> Airplane, Top Secret, and uh, it's Naked Gun. Um, oh. Yeah, has it at the, at the end there, too. All right. So, uh, fair. Uh, this is written in the spirit of parodies, which some people may find offensive. <laughs> there is foul language, uh, even racial stereotypes, brief- briefly and generally tasteless jokes. So you have been warned. Um, please don't ban me or whatever the equivalent is. On that. All right, so here's the opening text, right? So when it's scrolling through the screen. In a galaxy very, 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 very far away, there lived a ruthless race of beings known as Spaceballs. You should know all this from the first movie, but since this is a prequel, let's pretend you don't. Chapter 4 and Two-Thirds Spaceballs have built an empire of many planets, but their rule has brought both order and discontent. A strange new mythical force has been rumored among the stars, one which could bring a shift in power and end the Spaceball Empire forever. Unfortunately for the Rebels, the Spaceball Film Commission received an early release of this film, and now know the entire plot. Good luck! For as long as Heinleck Asshole could remember, he wanted nothing more than to enroll in Spaceball Academy where he could train to be a genuine spaceball trooper. Unfortunately, the Asshole family had always been factory workers. Generations of assholes, along with their rivals the Lips, had only ever known factory work specifically at the local hot dog plant. With the lip's genetic disorder of two left feet and the asshole's telltale cross eyes, there were dozens of horrific and deadly accidents over the many years at the factory. So much so, the people joked that much of the hot dog meat from the plant was entirely made of lips and assholes. (laughs) Despite Heinleck's dreams, he knew his destiny was to one day die in that factory. Then rumor of a mystic force called the Schwartz had reached planet Oscar Mayor, inspiring rebel groups that wanted to break from Spaceballs' rule. The Spaceballs, eager to wipe out rebels and anyone with the power of the Schwartz, had begun forming new bases on remote planets. When Heinlich rushes to join the local troopers, he's surprised to see dozens of the asshole clan in line. He's ecstatic to have the family together in a new venture, but when he discovers Skidmark has joined the rebels, he's worried he'll one day have to fight his own brother. Heinlech patrols his own planet, scanning citizens for high chutzpah chlorine levels. Anyone found with potential Schwartz power is bashed on the head, so cool citizens start dressing really preppy to avoid scans. All the black guys have no choice but to join the rebels. Heinlich scans a kid, because they're so cool, Heinlich scans a kid with extreme chutzpah levels, uh, but can't bring himself to kill him or turn him in. He confronts his mother to find out the boy's father, but the mother knows what Heinrich would do to the man. Hanging out with their friend Mary, they tell Heinrich it was immaculate conception. Heinrich has his doubts, but Mary's husband is there to confirm the possibility. Joseph is naked and clearly drunk, chugging blue milk and spilling it all over himself. Heinrich lets him go, but takes the boy with him. Meanwhile, Skidmark meets up with a strange creature named Can-Can and a droid named WD-40. Can-Can has a terrible speech impediment, and WD-40 constantly squeaks, but Can-Can says he can take them to a rebel base. They meet up with a group of rebels who are all showing off their shorts in lightsaber battles and speaking in strange, foreign languages. Skidmark finally realizes it's just a group of nerds in line for a Comic-Con and that none of them actually have the shorts. He decides to leave when WD-40 displays a holographic message from Yogurt. Yogurt says he secretly switched copies of the movie so the Spaceballs think they win in the end. Meanwhile, he's calling all the Rebels to a secret base on Secret Base Planet. Skidmark and his crew head out to join the real Rebels and take down the Empire. A montage of years shows Skidmark training in the ways of the Shorts and Heinleck helping his companion as he grows to become the ruthless Dark Helmet. Can-Can gets into constant antics. Annoying his friends to such extremes, they send him on purposely dangerous missions, hoping he'll die, but he always comes back. When Dark Helmet begins to show his Schwartz power, the downside, the other troopers fear him and he bullies his way into leadership and sets the space balls on the hunt for more than just rebels. He builds a robot army of maids who's sent to clean up the galaxy, killing anyone who they suspect may be against the Empire. Skidmark and Yogurt hear of the massive army but don't have enough rebels to take on the maids. Then Skidmark gets the idea to clone troops using the old hot dog factory on Oscar Mayor. They they toss Can-Can into the machine and create hundreds of the annoying alien to send into battle. They're terrible warriors, but there are endless hordes of them to clog enemy lines. In a separate struggle... The Rebels take on a group of Spaceball Troopers, and Skidmark and Heinleck meet on the battlefield. The asshole brothers fight until Skidmark is finally wiped out. Wiped out. Heinleck. (laughs) Heinleck is heartbroken and wants to go back to the hot dog plant, but the rest of his family are troopers now. Once again, he longs to be a part of something different, but he knows his destiny is to die along with what his family does serving the Spaceball Empire. The robot army is defeated by the Can-Can clones and the rebels prove they are a real threat to the Spaceballs. Hundreds of Can-Cans are left alive, unfortunately, and Yogurt and the remaining rebels decide it's best to leave them behind. Yogurt says, maybe they can use them in Star Wars. That was my best Mel Brooks.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I thought you were having a stroke. (laughs) Do you smell toast? Yeah. That That was brilliant. You kudos you win uh before i even give mine because you you captured beautifully uh the just the the tone of space balls and the spoofing of star wars in ways they didn't even you know they couldn't have possibly done back then you, you attacked the prequel trilogy i love it so good yeah i figured you
1: know re- leave leave room open that you can you can do more and why not go in order they did to try and try and get after those first few and there's a mixture of stuff in there too Yes,
0: oh. the lips and assholes.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I couldn't resist that one.
0: That was that was great. I yeah, <laughs> I I also couldn't avoid the a word. It's a must in this. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. <laughs> it is. I, apparently, they, they exchanged it for morons uh, on uh, television, and no. it just loses something. I mean, come on. Can they say a holes? Wouldn't that have uh, sufficed? There is a
1: um. There's that one line where he drops an f-bomb in there and it's really out of place like for whatever reason like we're fine with it and he says I'm surrounded by assholes or whatever and that's their name but then he says like f all of a sudden and I'm like that doesn't I don't know it's weird it's not like it's a family film but all of a sudden it's kind of shocking it's it's I kind think, of in passing so it's not huge but
0: I think I in heard those it. days you got away with one bad one in yeah. a movie and that was okay. That was that was looked over. And I think that was their one bad one. Yeah, but you're yeah. right. I remember going, Oh, what? Say what now? Yeah. <laughs> Hello. All right. Great, great job. And what was the Thanks. title of yours again?
1: Oh, I gotta go back. Uh Spaceballs, the movie before the other movie, even though the other movie came out first.
0: I love it. I could just see that on a poster <laughs> as like the as like the crawl almost. It takes up so much space. That's yeah. brilliant. All right. Well, I'm going to follow that up. Mine's not as good, but uh, but I enjoyed <laughs> it. I it, I have to ask, did you purposely try to avoid doing something dissimilar to what I would do this week? Um, like, did you consciously go in a different direction on purpose?
1: Sort of. I mean, I, I think most people will want to see as well. They can't see many of them anymore, but most people would want to see Rick Murray. I would, too. Like in writing this, I'm disappointed that we won't get to see Rick Moranis. But at the same time, I think what I was trying to do was kind of what's happened with Star Wars, where they're changing hands over a little bit, like where it's a it's a whole different group. And I think that is would be a good decision just so that if they could do more of these, you know, this is a resurgence of the franchise. Um, It's basically like starting from from scratch.
0: Nice. Yep. That's smart. That's very smart. I I couldn't avoid the the uh set that we got from Mel Brooks in the first one. I had to I had to uh write out what I thought he might do or mm. what he had in mind then. So, I present to you now Spaceballs 2: The Search for More Money. But there's a twist. Uh the director cuz I'm dreaming here, I want Mel Brooks back. Mm. I know he's 94. I know it's probably not going to be easy on him, but I think he's still got his wits about him. And so I think he could do it with some help. Maybe he's sitting up at a tower somewhere telling everybody what to do. Uh, Stars, uh, we're getting Rick Moranis and Jeff Daniels back. uh, but uh, I'm sorry, uh, Rick Moranis and Bill Pullman back, but I'm adding Jeff Daniels into the mix as well. And you'll see why in just a moment. The setting, much like you did, in a galaxy very, 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 very far away. 35 years after the events of the first Spaceballs movie. Lone Star and Vespa, now King and Queen of Druidia, have ruled happily over their kingdom for years, with no problems from the rest of the universe. They've grown older, had their own children, who now have children of their own, and helped to raise three generations of Barf's bloodline. After getting caught up with the day-to-day life, ...of our royal family on Druidia, we're taken to a galaxy much, 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 much farther away... <laughs> ...where we find a planet named Dabank. Dabank is in many ways like Druidia, with beautiful landscapes, a thriving economy, and a united community of people. We're taken inside the castle of the royal family there and introduced to the royal, Debunkish royal family... ...made up of a king and queen now approaching their mid-60s, their children and grandchildren. We're introduced to King Monet... King Money, played by Jeff Daniels, as he presides over a, the dedication of a new family center on DeBunk. During his speech, he talks about how this new building means so much to him since his family had once been broken up by the events of a war on their planet years ago, and how it still saddens him that he was, had never been able to find his long-lost brother. The next day, at the DeBunk castle, a mysterious letter is delivered to the king with one simple line of text. I know where to find your brother, and I can take you there. It is signed, Coffee, and a phone number is listed. King, Monet, King Money calls the number and arranges a secret meeting with the mysterious Coffee. We don't see the meeting, but quickly cut to a caravan of ships leaving the atmosphere of DeBunk. King Money, the rest of the royal family, and their advisors are all aboard and headed to a place they had never heard of before, Druidia. Mm. The ship arrives outside the shield of Druidia and King Money is able to communicate with King Star, Lone Star to those not following along on screen. Money reveals that he is there in search of his long lost brother. Star and Money look at each other for a few moments and realize that there are some similarities between the two because Money is played by Jeff Daniels. So Star makes the decision to open up the gate and let Money ships in. Fast forward to the next evening. Inside the castle, we find a huge celebration underway as the brothers are reunited. King Money stands before the crowd and declares this is the happiest day of his life. He had been hunting for his long lost brother for decades and was filled with happiness and relief that his search had concluded. In his words, finally, I am reunited with my family, my brother. My search for more money has come to an end. Thank you for getting that. As it turns out, Lone Star's real name was More Money. (laughs) M-O-A-R-M-O-N-E-E. Wink, wink, (laughs) nod, nod. (laughs) As the speech continues, King Money thanks his family and one special person who had made this all possible. As he introduces Mr. Coffee to the podium, it is in that moment that King Star slash More Money, Vespa, and the rest of the Druish people gasp in horror. Mr. Coffee was not Mr. Coffee at all. It was actually Dark Helmet, posing as a helpful citizen of DeBonk. As he reaches the mic, he takes out his shorts ring, points it at the sky, and yells, Attack! He was there to retaliate and take his vengeance out on Lone Star. We cut to the space around the planet's shield and see ship after ship jump from hyperspace, coming in full plaid, and screech to a halt. The ships are all giant white spheres. At that moment, one of the Druish guards screams, oh no, we're surrounded by assholes. <laughs> Pandemonium ensues. People are running everywhere, panicking and screaming. Insert Wilhelm scream. The <laughs> battle is on. Druish ships launch to combat the space balls, making a grave mistake. As they open the shield to fly out one of the giant spheres, this one more like a donut, plugs the hole and creates an opening. Ships fly in and the battle begins within the shield. Troops deploy to the ground, and fights begin on the planet's surface. The battle wages on, and eventually we cut to the rematch between Dark Helmet and Lone Star. As the two take out their Schwartzes, Dark Helmet declares, Since our first fight, I have honed my skills. I've studied and prepared for this day. My Schwartz is now bigger than it has ever been, <laughs> and I will easily destroy you. On the heels of Dark Helmet's speech, Lone Star's kids and grandkids appear with their own Schwartzes. About that time, a litter of Barf's lineage comes out of nowhere and attacks <laughs> Dark Helmet's legs. Helmet had not prepared for this family defense. Realizing he's never going to win, he surrenders and hands over his ring. The war wages on in the air and the planet's surface, but the Spaceballs are no match for the Jewish army. The Spaceballs' ships attempt to retreat back through the donut plug, but as they exit, they find themselves trapped in a giant netting, created as a countermeasure by the Druish. As the last ship exits the planet's protective shield, the netting is sealed and set adrift in space. A giant sack of assholes will now be just floating <laughs> in space forever. Pause for a laugh. That's, okay. That's good. <laughs> With the attack averted, the Money Brothers reunite and the celebration continues. All is well for Druidia and Debonk, Or is it? As the closing credits roll, we return to our view of Debonk to find the castle taken over by Spaceballs. As we push into the throne room, we find a familiar figure taking a seat at the throne. It's President Scrooge. Mm. Scrooge looks into the camera and says, it's good to be the king. Oh, nice. Then winks. Roll the final credits.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's a good one to bring back. Yeah, I like that. I, um... Yeah, because they do kind of leave it open. You know, he's got that mysterious past, and so that's nice to bring it in. We should have a challenge. All our pitches require a tale of brothers. They should, they should always oh. be worked into there. Um, it seems to to work for us.
0: <laughs> that was good. <laughs> I had fun. Yeah. I had fun with that one. Yeah,
1: it makes me wonder why the ships weren't in the shape of balls the whole time. Like the their yeah, planet, like the uh, structures were, weren't they? But then the ship wasn't.
0: Huh. yeah that was the one thing it was so off uh yeah their ship was just a, a take on the star destroyer from, yeah. Uh, yeah i guess
1: it w- would it's probably just for that one gag it wouldn't have been able to tell a, a giant sphere is moving across the screen
0: <laughs> yeah i wonder too was it a lack of technology at the time would that have been really tricky are the reflective surfaces would that have uh, betrayed them oh uh, when they were trying to do special effects and whatnot because they, they usually stuck with dark colors you know Everything's set in space or in, in dark or at night when you do the daylight or bright colors it gets way more difficult
1: uh, that was great i really like that and i like uh i like getting to hear because I, I know that's for a lot of people for me it's a lot of fun but i know a lot of the, the listeners they always mention the pitches too and uh, so it's really nice to have uh, some other people uh, bring their pitches on as well so that's uh this is a cool episode for for so many different ideas uh coming at us so uh, you know, Mel Brooks or whoever's going to take over this uh, you've got plenty of ideas now, no excuses. We need some more space balls.
0: Yeah, noodle on those for a while and just give us those uh, writing credits. Uh, that's all we ask and then, you know, we'll we'll help, uh, we'll help do the uh, the scene, or, you know, uh, go around to the different talk shows and talk it up for you. What do they call that? The uh, publicity tour. We'll help yeah, with they, that. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. We're available. <laughs>
1: We're not too busy. Um, and uh, normally we would talk about uh, what is coming up, uh, what's the next retake. But since there isn't one, uh, let's talk about why there is no Spaceballs sequel. Um, most of this comes from uh, CBR.com. Uh, the first proposed sequel for Spaceballs was called Spaceballs 3, The Search for Spaceballs 2, which is pretty funny. Uh <laughs> During a 2013 interview, Rick Moranis spoke about how the sequel was considered in the initial years following the original Spaceballs. Mel wanted to do a sequel after it became a cult video hit, said Moranis. It wasn't a box office hit, it was a cult video hit. And MGM wanted to do a sequel, and my idea for it was Spaceballs 3, the search for Spaceballs 2. According to Moranis, the plan fell apart due to budget. In 2008, Spaceballs, the anime series, aired. The series was produced by Brooks with much of the original cast, and uh, what we said earlier, the writers uh, were there for it as well. Um, however, this did not include key cast members, uh, Bill Pullman and Rick Moranis, who turned down offers to return to their original roles. Yeah, Pullman's career was probably going up, and I think Rick was already retired or something at the time. Mm-hmm. Um And obviously, John Candy uh, couldn't come back. He had already passed away. The series poked fun at everything from Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter to Grand Theft Auto and American Idol. Uh, However, the series only received lukewarm reviews and was canceled after one season, 13 episodes. So there are 13 episodes out there. If anybody uh, tries to find them, I'm sure there's a few laughs in there. Uh, I
0: definitely want to find it and watch it now.
1: Yeah. Yeah following the smash success of star wars the force awakens the idea of another space ball started gaining traction again brooks Uh, publicly discussed wanting to use Spaceballs 2 to poke fun at the revamped Star Wars films and could have still used the long tease subtitle, The Search for More Money, but that was years ago. So much of the cast is gone, so much time has passed, and to continue the storyline would require certain changes, but it's still possible. Mel Brooks said he'd never do another Spaceballs without Rick Moranis, and with Moranis returning to acting in Shrunk, the shorts may still be strong enough for this franchise. So fingers crossed, everybody maybe we could still get this, this what if episode could become a true episode and we'll have some more space balls.
0: Yeah. Yeah. This, uh, I, I enjoyed doing this after we've done so many different movies over the last uh, few weeks, we've really run the gamut, uh, of different types of films. And some of those were kind of a hard watch. I mean, we talked about it on those episodes. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, for sure. I, I was stoked to go back to something that was home. That was so familiar in space balls and was only one movie. That really helps with the amount of time you have to invest in preparing.
1: <laughs> also, the requirement for <laughs> everything that features brothers, and there's only one movie. Not much of yes. a franchise, really. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I get it. Uh, all right. Too it's funny.
0: trivia time. So, normally, at this point, we would take you to to some trivia and behind-the-scenes uh, but this week, as part of our crossover episode, we are going to mix it up a little bit, and I think we should probably share a couple of items that will answer those questions that we had at the beginning, uh, but the rest of them will actually be fe- featured over on the Movie Jungle uh, episode that'll go up this week, so go check it out. They are uh, You can find them on anywhere you listen to podcasts, but you can also go to anchor.fm slash uh to catch their latest episodes. Cool. Do you have... The ones that answer the questions about the Toms and the... Yeah,
1: so let's see. Tom Cruise, Tom Hanks, and Tom Behringer were all said to be considered for the role of Captain Lone Star. As well as James Conn, But, you know, he wasn't a Tom foe, so...
0: (laughs) Oh my God, what a range. A Behringer was shocking uh, for sure. I didn't expect to hear his name on there, but can you imagine Tom Cruise... In a slapstick like that, that would have been interesting.
1: Yeah, I don't think that would have worked. Tom Hanks obviously would have been a great choice. Um, and I'll say, t- I'll yes. tell you, like I, I, uh, Tom Berenger is a great actor. I don't know why he got lowered down into like B movie class. Like that guy yeah. is good, but for whatever reason, he never really got those huge hits. Mm-hmm. Like he just always was in, um, kind of the underdog movies or something. But I, major I league c- was his best. Yeah. Yeah, but he's been in other stuff, and he's always really good. I don't get it. But anyway, uh, yeah. that was the Toms. We'll see other things?
0: Uh, who saved Mel money with his mouth?
1: Michael Winslow's cameo saved over $1,000 in production costs. He was able to help the team by doing what he does best, making weird noises while playing the role of a radar tech. Best known at the time for starring in all eight, eight police academy movies, Winslow created various radar sounds in a short beat with Rick Moranis as Dark Helmet. That's a great great scene, scene. too. Yeah. Yeah, The
0: what was it? The bleeps, the something and the shrieks. The sweeps and the creeps. The sweeps and the creeps. That's it. I love
1: it. Yeah, you you do it. it. I'm (laughs) not even going to (laughs) bother.
0: Well, you don't need that, Private. We're right here. Now, what is it? Now, what is it? I'm having trouble with the radar, sir. What's wrong with it? I've lost the bleeps, I've lost the sweeps, and I've lost the creeps. The
3: what? The what? And the what? You know, the bleeps... the sweeps
0: and the creeps.
3: (laughs) That's not all he's lost.
0: I don't know how he made, I, I know how he made so many of the noises, but there were other ones. Like how does a person do that? That's, That seems impossible. That whole bit
1: where he's got, where he's speaking into the the PA system and it's all (laughs) warbled. And then he puts it down and it's still the same
0: voice. God, but Rick loses his ish and like slaps it out of his hand and pushes all the papers off. I was dying at that scene. That might've been the one I laughed the hardest at, honestly.
1: And, oh yeah. Also, why don't we own any space balls bed sheets? Um,
0: I'm interested in this one because I've heard this as an urban legend. For many years, I think that's what you're getting to, and I always wondered if there was an official statement out there somewhere that answered this.
1: Yeah, it was in a few articles um satires generally exempt from litigation, but Brooks was an admirer of Lucas's work and wanted to get his permission before starting on the movie, working on a funny film of his own with Howard the Duck. Lucas agreed, but only on the condition that no spaceballs merchandising be made available. The Lucas people were just upset about one aspect of Spaceballs, Brooks told Starlog in 1987. They didn't think it was fair for us to do a takeoff and then merchandise the characters. So never, like it's, he can never merchandise. But I want want to know the specifics of that agreement. Does that mean he himself, the studio, or if somebody else buys it, can that eventually change hands? Or why doesn't Disney just buy the rights to Spaceballs? You're missing out. You could do a whole thing. Like, and people would love it. So, yeah, I don't think it's totally off the table forever
0: because Lucas was was so smart in his negotiations when he first did Star Wars to make sure that it wasn't that he restricted. He just owned it all. Why wouldn't he make a deal with Brooks to say you can merchandise the film, but I get 20 percent cut or something like that? Yeah, I mean, I I think that would have made him money. Uh, But maybe at that point he was making so much money he didn't care. That was the beginning of his empire back then. Sure. Or it had already been rolling by then, for sure.
1: Okay, well, um, we had a lot of fun. This was a, a great episode, a lot of great pitches. Um, I, uh, I hope that one day this is uh, we can take off the what-if sticker on this episode and we'll actually be watching another Spaceballs movie and expanding that franchise.
0: Yeah, again, like you said, a lot of fun. Uh, thank you everyone for sticking around to the end here and checking out our podcast. Hope you enjoyed the movie Jungle podcast. When you go over there to check it out, or if you came over from them, thank you. And uh, be sure to follow us on Twitter. Like my brother said at the beginning, at Movie Retakes on Twitter. And uh, be sure to tell us what you think about the episode. Which of the retakes that you liked most? I'd love to hear mm. that. Yeah, maybe and, we'll do uh, a poll. What's that? Maybe we could do a poll. Oh, a poll's a good idea. Yeah, since we have titles. Yours may not fit in a poll option, but we'll figure it out. (laughs) It wouldn't fit in anything. (laughs)
1: Definitely not uh, fitting on the bed sheet. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We can make
0: our own bed sheet with just your title on there. We should be fine. I don't think we'll get sued at all. It'd It'd be great.
1: It's more like a runner rug, you know, one of those really long ones that goes down a hallway. Um, All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. And uh, always, uh, we appreciate it. And come back for the next episode of Movie Retakes. Bye-bye. Nerds